just about there, the black and white of God's holy word. I want you to look with tonight in the book of Galatians, first of all, chapter number five. Galatians chapter number five. Man, we come alive then, didn't we? I believe when the devil fell from heaven, he landed in the middle of a PA system or a choir loft. One or the other. Galatians chapter number five. Galatians chapter number five. I want to begin reading in verse number. We'll read starting verse number 16. And uh, then we're going to bring the message tonight. I want you to bear in mind, and I'll get, I'll, I'll, we'll see the title after a while. I'll tell you the title, but you'll see how it works in, in just a little while. I want to preach tonight on will the flesh steal your crown? Will the flesh steal your crown? Now, in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16, would you stand tonight as we read? Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16. Paul said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now when it talks about there and they that do such things, it's talking about in a habitual, continual action or lifestyle. Now, I'll prove that to you in just a minute. Verse 22 always the contrast. Here the Bible said, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith, meekness and temperance against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, I want you to keep your Bible open. You can be seated tonight. But I, I want us to take a, a look at this and think about the title now, Will the Flesh Steal Your Crown? Now, in the book of Galatians, chapter number 5, the verses that we've read here, Paul talks about the characteristics of the flesh. And he talks about what the flesh is capable of producing. Now, when we speak of the flesh, I'm not talking about necessarily this. I'm not talking about this right here, but I'm talking about that old man, that old Adamic nature that's still in every one of us. Now, do you hear me? I wish there was such a doctrine as the eradication of the flesh, but it's just not so. When you get saved and born again, you become a dual personality. You have a new nature to combat the old nature. And, and Paul talks about that in Romans chapter number 7 and, and in other places in the Word of God. But now notice as we look at the works of the flesh, he begins to tell us about them in verse number, well, in verse number 19. He begins to list these now. Now here's how I want to divide this before I get in the heart of the message. Notice the desires that are misdirected. He said, now the works of the flesh are manifest, or in other words, made known, which are these. Now, this is a very hideous list. I mean, this is an ungodly list right here. It's just awful. Notice, he said, one of the works of the flesh is adultery. Well, you say, wait a minute, preacher. You mean a person could commit adultery and still be saved? Yes. Did you hear what I said? Yes. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, 
Adultery. That's talking about sexual unfaithfulness in the marital relation. Then he said fornication is the work of the flesh. Now that's talking about uh, any sexual relation prior to marriage. And then he said uh, uh, uncleanliness. That word means any thought or any word or deed of impurity. And then he said lasciviousness, and that's a great big word that means no restraint in lustful desires. Now there are desires that are misdirected, and every one of us are still in the flesh. We have the flesh to contend with and to combat us every day. But hallelujah for the verse that said, Greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. And there is power over the flesh. Now, I don't have to commit adultery. I don't have to commit fornication. I don't have to commit lasciviousness and uncleanliness. But the flesh is capable of doing that your flesh and my flesh. Amen. This is going to take the, the pride out of a lot of us. It's, going to, it's not going to exalt us. It's going to deflate us. Amen. Let me just throw this in. Did you know at our very, very best, we're just all unprofitable servants? That's right. Did you know at your very best, you're altogether vanity? Yeah. And boy, that'll knock a pride out of us. We ain't nothing. We are absolutely nothing apart from the grace of God. He deals with desires that are misdirected. But now notice the devotions that are misguided. In verse number 20, he talks about the works of the flesh. He goes a little further. And, and those, the first list are sensual sins. And, and these devotions that are misguided, they're superstitious sins. And he said idolatry and witchcraft. Well, you say, preacher, I'm not worshiping no idol gods. I don't worship crocodiles and statues and images like the heathen in Africa. Well, this word here, idolatry, it carries with it the connotation of placing anything in your life in the top priority. In other words, it means you can commit idolatry by putting your family before God. You can commit idolatry by putting your hobbies before God. Anything that regulates God to second place is idolatry. What about that? Idolatry. You see, you can commit idolatry with an automobile. You can commit idolatry with your job, your politics. You can commit idolatry with your own family. Anything that you put top priority on that, that takes priority over God that, and the Word of God that, and your devotion to God, you're guilty of idolatry. Now, some folk worship automobiles and cars and boats and gods of fiberglass and gods of plastic. Amen. It's so. And the flesh is capable of this. But then it said witchcraft. Did you know this word witchcraft here? It carries with it the idea of teacup readers, palmists, spiritualists, fortune tellers. Why, you say, preacher, surely that, surely that, you, you can't do this and go to heaven. Oh, no, no, no. If you practice this kind of a lifestyle, if you live habitually this kind of lifestyle, it's evidence you're not saved. But my flesh and your flesh is capable of committing the sin of witchcraft. That's what it said. Well, you know, son, I know some believers. I know some believers that won't even go to work till they read Gene Dixon. They wouldn't think about going to work till they read their horoscope and see what Sagittarius is saying this day or Aquarius or some other kind of junk. I pray to God, listen, I, listen, I hardly ever, I hardly ever look at that part of the paper that has the horoscope in it. I don't want, you know, did you know that stuff is witchcraft? 
Did you know this witching for water? Now, we're going to get down to where some of you really live. You say, well, preacher, I tell you, I've witched for water. You all know what I'm talking about, witching for water. Right? Where do you take a stick and it's crooked right? and you can go out there and that thing will automatically turn down where there's water. Right? I'm telling you, if you've done that, you played right? with witchcraft, right? Ouija boards, right? all that tarot cards, right? every bit of that has a connotation of witchcraft to it. That's right. Yes, well, I'll have you know I've got a rabbit's foot in my pocketbook. You know what that rabbit foot means, preacher? Yeah, it means there's a rabbit out there somewhere three feet. That's what it means. It don't mean a blessed thing. I mean, you say, well, I've got me a horseshoe up over my barn. It means good luck. I pray the thing falls and knocks a knot on your head. You've got to get on a stepladder and scratch it. That's foolishness. One of the most idiotic things I've ever seen is a full-grown man or a full-grown woman on all fours hunting for a four-leaf clover. That's junk. There's no such thing as luck in the believer's life. No. You'd be surprised. Now, the flesh is capable of idolatry and witchcraft. By the way, from this word witchcraft comes the word pharmakia, from that word pharmakia, we get the word pharmaceutical. And from there, we get our drugs and all these things. But now you say, I'm not guilty of none of this so far. Well, let's read on. Not only desires that are misdirected, not only devotions that are misguided, but notice the dispositions that are mismanaged. This is the, well, social sins of our church. First, it was the sensual sin. A second, it was the superstitious sin. But right here's our problem. It's the social sins that we kind of look over. He said, here's one of the works of the flesh, hatred. Hatred. You know what that word means? It means to carry the connotation like this. To dislike or detest somebody else. To dislike somebody or to detest them is hatred. Then it said variance is the work of the flesh. That means strife causing discord among the family of God. Then it said emulations. Well, what in the word does that mean? That word means jealousy. Did you know jealousy is the work of the flesh? Then it says wrath. Now that word wrath means a sudden outburst of uncontrollable anger. We're nailing this nail in and we're driving that old tin penny nail down in there and we miss the nail and we hit the nail on our finger and blood and guts and nail goes here and there and I wonder what comes out of our mouth. I wonder what kind of sudden outburst of anger flies out. You ever flew off the handle? You, hey, I mean, there goes a wrench and a hammer, and, and I'll take, no, Lord, kick the dog and scream and slam the doors. You know what that is? That's flesh. A sudden outburst of anger. It's right down where we live, isn't it? Light turns red, light turns yellow. Light turns green. Light turns red. Light turns yellow. Light turns green. Hey, buddy, what you waiting on? Purple? Polka dot? You don't like none of them? Hey, you ignorant ravers, get out of the way. Help! Help! A crazy idiot don't know how to run. Get out of the way! Hey, flesh. We ain't near as spiritual as we won't think we are. You just let things not go our way. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll give that Yahoo a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell you, you're like me. You ain't got much mind to be giving pieces of away. You better keep all you guys. Hey, laugh. I'm just going to have to confess tonight. I believe confession's good. 
I hate to have to do this, Lord. The Lord's are twisting my arm, it seems like. I, I've made some real boo-boos since I've been saved. They ain't all been all that long ago. I was in my pickup truck about two years ago and had Jonathan, my little boy, now he was three then. Had on a pair of beer overalls. And I was ringing, sopping wet. I'd been busting wood, hickory wood, with a mall. And I had to run up to the bank to take care of some business and cash the check and pay the bills. And I sweat and I was hot and, and I was aggravated and I was tired and had all that old sawdust on me and everything. Well, I said, thank you, ma'am. She handed me the money. I always count my money. I got shortchanged one day, $100 right there at the bank at the drive-in window. And there's this yahoo behind me in a three-piece suit. And, and I looked in my rearview mirror as I scouted my money and he was using his fingers for obscene gestures and, and his mouth was just going like that and I could see him you know and he, I tell you I done opened that door before I thought said Jonathan don't you move I, I walked back there and grabbed that I reached in the window and grabbed that man and pulled him up to that window I said what's your problem neighbor and he said nah, nah. and the Holy Ghost said why don't you tell him about Jesus now son you've made a real mess of everything and I had to let him go and I said uh oh Flesh. I don't guess you've ever done anything like that. Hey, sudden outburst of anger. Then he goes on and talks about strife. That's self-seeking. That's those that think they're more spiritual than everybody else. It brings about strife. Sedition. Uh, that means bringing about a dissension among the brethren. Heresies. Did you know you're capable of committing heresy uh, against the fundamental teachings of the Word of God? Uh, did you know your flesh? Hey, did you know this part of me hates this? Did you hear what I said? This part of me don't want to read that. This part of me don't want to pray. This part of me hates God, holiness, righteousness. This part of me that's as mean as a junkyard dog. Said, oh man. He's capable of committing heresy. That's right. The flesh. Envies. Being envious. You see, it carries with it a dual connotation. It means being envious of what others have. But it also means you don't necessarily want them to have it. You just wish to God, you know, it's not necessarily that you want to have it yourself. You just wish to God they didn't have it. You don't want it yourself, but you just wish they, you're just so envious because they've got it. You let somebody get a new house or a new car. Now, you don't want it because you'd have to take that big gold Sears and Rare back uh, payment book that comes with it. But you just wish to God they didn't have it. Envious. Hmm? Envies. Whew. He said, Preacher, I'm glad you're getting down to something. I ain't guilty of murders. <laughs> Did you know? Did you have you ever heard? Have you ever heard this saying? I tell you, I so mad I could have killed him. Have you ever been that mad? I'm gonna tell you something. Since I've been saved, I've been so mad and upset. Another illustration, I have to confess. I was taking my little sister Susie to the church where we used to go years ago, my dad's old home church. I was taking my little sister Susie over there for bus visitation. I was running late. And I was a flying across through there. And I come up to the North Shore, up to the red light there, Keystone Pike and Railroad there near North Shore. And, and I had the green light and I was going on through. And here came an older gentleman. And, and, and he run the red light. He didn't even slow down. I, I had to slam the brakes on Susie's face, hit the dash. Something went to screaming in my ear, get him, get him, get him. I, I run that man down. He pulled in the Kmart parking lot. I, I run over there and once again, I blew it. I, I mean, I, I are you an idiot? Are you plumb crazy? Get out to me. He got out of the car. He was drunk as Cootie Brown. He said, hey, boy, what's wrong? I said, nah. I just pushed him back in the car. And I got back in the car and took my, and the Holy Ghost just eat my lunch all the way over and back. You ain't never been guilty of anything like that, have you? 
Oh, Brother Ed Blue. Brother Ed Blue's a six foot four, half breed Cherokee Indian. He was a staff sergeant under General Patton. I'm telling you, he's a man, brother. He is much of a man. I see him stick his fist out and it looked like it was this big. He'd say, if you don't like what I'm preaching, he'd say, run into that 90 mile an hour. He'd say, look me over, dude. He said, there may be more up here this Cherokee Indian than you want to get on any day of the week. And old brother Ed had the same problem one day. He's coming through Cleveland. He never told us but one time, and I'm glad I was there when he told me. Because I always thought he was way up here, and I was way down here, you know. You know, and I just thought, man, I'll never get. You know what? He said he's going through Cleveland, Tennessee. Here come a bunch of young men, a, a bunch of punkers, and they come flying down through there and about run him off the road, and he had to slam on the brakes. His wife's face hit the windshield. His girl's face got bloodied. He said he took off after them in that big old Buick. Run him, a preacher now, run him off the road, drag that man out of that car, had him on the pavement, was shot in the straddle of his belly, and had him by the Hell the head getting ready to grind him in the pavement. And the Holy Ghost said, Okay, Brother Blue, tell him about Jesus. He said he helped him up, dusted his clothes off. See, look here, the flesh. But you know what? You don't have to murder somebody with your hands to murder them. Solomon said in the book of Proverbs, the power of life and death is in the tongue. You know, you can kill somebody just like that. Kill their influence, kill their testimony. Just like that. Murder. Well, he goes on, talks about drunkenness. You say, well, hey man, preacher, I don't drink liquor. I ain't drunk on booze. Did you know the word drunkenness here carries with it the connotation of alcoholic beverages, but it also talks about being drunk on the cares of this life. Did you know some people are drunk on worldly pleasure? They're drunk on sports. Did you know this is one of the drunkest ages I've ever seen as far as Sports-minded. It means being controlled by an outside source. I heard one preacher say, and I, he, he had it right. He said, you could take, listen, he said, there's volleyball, basketball, football. Uh, he said, you can take an, he could take a ball and throw it off into hell. On the average Baptist church, he'd jump in right behind him, trying to get that ball. We are so sports caught up in this hour. Almost got the spear of the gladiators, don't we? Blood. Let me see blood. Break his legs. Kill that quarterback. Knock him out. And man, they go wild when they watch wrestling, you know. Look like two, listen, overgrown elephants and a pair of diapers out there waddling around. And it's a bunch of fake. And if they see some artificial blood, they'll just scream. And then they like that boxing, don't they? Like that boxing. I mean, knock his nose up in his brain. Let me see some blood. Blood. Do you think that's spiritual? Drunk on sports. Drunk on financial prosperity. Drunk on a lot of things besides liquor. Drunk on ourselves. Flesh. You know how far you know how far I trust me? As far as I pick me up and throw me. I wouldn't trust me no further than I can throw me. You best bet if I don't trust me, I sure don't trust you. Flesh is flesh. Do you hear me? Now, I want us to take a trip to the old testament. We got to hurry. We're going to hurry. Exodus 17. I want us to go back and I want us to look at a type of the flesh found in the Old Testament. When you get to Exodus chapter 17, you know what's taking place. God's brought Israel out of Egyptian bondage. They've crossed the Red Sea. 
their three days journey into the wilderness. They've gone three days out from parting of the Red Sea. Here's what happens. The Bible said in verse number one, and all the children of the congregation of Israel, uh, they journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted for the water, and the people murmured against Moses. They must have been Baptists. And said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. I know they're Baptists now. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, Moses, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and, uh, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thy hand and go. Behold, I'll stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now, there's the picture. You got it? Three days' journey, no water. Uh, they chide, they murmur. Uh, and God said, Moses, you get to Horeb, uh, and, and you get that the man of God, take your rod uh, and smite that rock. I'm going to give you water. This is another picture of salvation, a type of salvation. The rock, a type of Christ. It was smitten that the water of life might come out. Do you see the comparison, a type? All right, hold your place here. Well, I want to go to Deuteronomy chapter number one. We got to move now. Just hold what you got there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number one. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter number one, verse six is what I'm looking for. All right? Now hold your place in Exodus 17. We're coming back. Now many, 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 many days have gone by now. Okay? And now the Lord's, the Lord our God, you meant Moses is saying here, he said, the Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, you have dwelt long enough in this mount. Now Horeb is where they went to get the drink of water, okay? And God said, hey, you've dwelt long enough here, Moses. Notice in verse 7, turn you and take your journey and go to the mount of the Amorites. And in all the places, nigh there and two, in the plain, in the hills, in the vale, in the south, by the seaside, under the land of the Canaanites, and into Lebanon, under the great river, the river Euphrates. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and to their seed after them. Now here's what I'm trying to get you to see. God said, Moses, they dwelt long enough here at Horeb. That's where they got the drink of water. That's a picture of salvation. They just wanted to camp out right there. They didn't want to go no further. They didn't want to go in and take the land and possess the land. But God said, you've dwelt here long enough. Get up and go on to the Lord. Don't you think it's time we got up and went on for the Lord and possessed our possessions and take the land that's rightfully ours? Do you know most people's testimonies? And I appreciate you telling me about when you got saved. I always love to hear that. But some folk, that's the only testimony they got. What God did for them way back yonder. Why don't you pick up your stuff and move on in the land side? And conquer, take the land, it's yours. That's where some people dwell, right where they got in. Did you hear about the man that fell out of bed? He stayed too close to where he got in. You know why some folk are in and out and up and down and on and off as far as having the victory in Christ? They stay too close to where they got in. When you get saved, that's not the end of it, friend. That's the beginning of it. Brother, there's much land to be taken. Yes, there's giants. Yes, there's battles to be fought. But we've got the captain of the Lord's army with us. We've got the Lord. So we need to go on. Now watch this. Go back to Exodus 17. Good Bible story tonight. No, now they've gone. They've gone. In Exodus 17, they got a drink of water. Now, notice in verse number 8. 
Then came Amalek. When? After they got a drink of water. You see, after you got saved, guess who showed up? Amalek. The word Amalek, it means warlike. Or one that wars. Amalek is a descendant of an unholy relation that Lot and his own daughter were involved in. And incestuous affair, if you will. Amalek's the type of the flesh. Now, Amalek did not show up. Then came Amalek, look at verse 8, and fought with Israel and Rephidim. After they got a drink of water, then comes Amalek. Hey, I didn't have no problems with the flesh till I got saved. When I got saved and born again and the divine nature of God came in me, then Amalek showed up and began to fight for him. He doesn't want to give up ground. He doesn't want me to go on for God. He'll fight you every step of the way. You remember when all that happened when you got saved? Now notice in verse number 9. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out. And I want you to fight with Amalek. You done any fighting with Amalek today? I'll tell you, I fight with him every day I live. From the day, from the time I get up till I go to bed, and even in my dreams, I fight with the flesh. I'd have a battle for him. He said, tomorrow I'll stand on top of the mount or the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, I like that. Oh, Joshua didn't try to, to usurp authority. He is just a good second man. He said, that's what he said, and that's what we're going to do. And notice, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses, that's the type of a believer in Christ, Moses, Aaron, and Hur. Aaron was the high priest. Hur's name means holy. He's the type of the Holy Ghost. You see, Aaron's a type of the Lord Jesus, our great high priest. And Moses is a type of every one of us that's in Christ. Moses got up on the mountain and he held his hands up with the rod of God in him. And as long as he could hold his hands up, Joshua fought the battle and won. But when Moses' hands got heavy and he couldn't hold them up no more, then Amalek prevailed. Somebody said, we got to do something. And old Aaron said, I know what her said, I know what. Aaron got on one side, her got on the other side. And they got him a rock to sit down on. They got Moses something to sit down on. I'm glad I'm arresting in the rock of ages tonight. And I'm glad the Holy Ghost and the Lord Jesus is holding up my hands. And I can have victory over the flesh. He did. They took a stone and put it under him. And he sat there on Aaron and her stayed up his hands. Notice verse 13. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. How, look here now. How did Amalek prevail? I mean, how did old Joshua prevail against Amalek? He took the sword. And it was the word discomfited. I mean, but he took that old sword, old Joshua did, and got to sticking it in Amalek. And a cutting on Amalek and a whacking on Amalek. You know what will put the flesh down in our life? Yeah. Yeah. That sword. That sword, buddy. It'll cut that old flesh. You let a man of God go preaching in the power of the Holy Ghost, get down to where we're living. The old flesh will retaliate. That old flesh said, who's he think he is Tell me how to live? Who's he think he is telling me how to run my family? Who's he think? Don't he know I'm a believer in Christ too? Don't he know I've got a right to go to the throne room too? Doesn't he know who I am? You see, the old flesh will retaliate against that word, that sword right there. Especially if you're guilty. You know who yells the loudest and barks the loudest? You get an old pack of dogs out there and you pick you up a rock and throw it. I'll tell you which one's going to yelp the loudest, the one you hit. You know who does most of the yelping and hollering in the church house? The one that's getting hit the most. Notice in verse 16. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Sound like God pretty upset, don't it? I mean, God's going to have war with this, this dude Amalek from now on. 
from generation to generation. Now, I want you to, I want you to hop over to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 25. All right? Deuteronomy 25. Remember, will the flesh steal your crown? Deuteronomy 25, verse number 17. A lot of days have come and gone now. Deuteronomy 25, 17. Notice what God told Moses to tell Israel. Remember. When God tells you to remember something, you best never forget it. God said, remember what Abilene did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt. How he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee when thou was faint and weary, and he feared not God. Now there's the picture of the flesh. Notice how he operates. Notice how the flesh fights now. He hit the hindmost and the feeble and those that were faint and weary. You see, some of you thrive on being the hindmost. You don't really want to be up front. You just kind of lag behind spiritually. Now, if I was a wolf, and I was going to find me some good groceries this afternoon around a flock of sheep, I wouldn't go to the front of the pack to attack. I'd find that one that was straying. I'd find that one that was weak and feeble and faint. That's who I'd get. And when you get weak and feeble and faint, you know why it is? You've not been nourished in this book. And you've not been on your knees in prayer. That's when the flesh is going to get you. Remember, one day, I was in a hurry. didn't really get to pray that morning like I ought to have prayed. And I wanted to get the riding lawnmower out. Mom's riding lawnmower. We kept it at the house then. And I said, Barbara, would you mind moving the car? She said, I'll be glad to. She opens the door up on the car in the garage and backs out and forgets to shut the door. And she moves the house about three foot to the northeast. And the door looks like an accordion. Crunch. And I'm telling you, I was sitting on that lawnmower and I seen red. I'm telling you, I started to come off of there and just, you know, just tell her off. And the Holy Ghost said, it could have been you. I bit my tongue till the blood run down my throat. Man, I just wanted to tell her. I mean, mm. <laughs> remember one day, you know, you get these little old tool kits at the Kmart, 99 pieces for $12, you know, none of them work. And I said, out that got the little case, you got to lock that little old thing down. Well, I, she asked me to go out there and get her uh, uh, something to fix something with, and I went out there. And I forgot to latch that thing the last time. And I grabbed the little handle. And by the time I grabbed it, she came to the door. And when I picked it up, 99 pieces went 99 different places. I felt like taking that piece of tin and crushing it till it wasn't big enough to make a ball bearing out of. She said, if you fasten that little latch, they won't do that. <laughs> I mean, I said, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, just, I just didn't say nothing. Just got down on my, I just picked them up one by one. <laughs> See, he'll get you when you're faint and feeble. You just rush on off to work and don't take time to pray. You just head on up the road and get to your job. You ain't had, you ain't took time to, it ain't we don't have time, we don't take time to pray and get in the book. Ask the Holy Ghost to put some sweetness on us. Fill us with his spirit. Let us demonstrate love, joy, and peace long-suffering and gentleness and goodness. And the flesh will break out on you. wonder how you handled that situation at work this week. What about that man that's under you that just, you know, he's an idiot preacher. I tell you, he, he's an idiot. You know, preach over there the Bible when Jesus talked about a lunatic, that man's mother called him a lunatic when he was born. He ain't got sense to get out of the way. How do you handle those situations? Any of you men have men work under you? Raise your hand. Nobody has nobody working under you. Here's one brother, one out of soul in the church house. How many of you work beside somebody? Oh, yeah. Won't you? Boy, I tell you. 
When, and just about the time you think you're really getting a grip on this spiritual living, Amalek sticks up his ugly head and says, Hello. Right? Notice, did you notice what it said there in the last part of verse 18? And he feared not God. There's part of you don't fear God. You hear me? There's part of me don't fear God. That's the flesh. He says, Go on ahead. He says, you can get by with it. He says, nobody knows. He says, you're in Atlanta, Georgia, and ain't nobody down here kin to you. Nobody will know. Go ahead and take a peek. Go ahead and look. You ever heard that? You ever heard any voices like that coming from inside your mind? It's the flesh. But I'm glad about the same time that voice says that the Holy Ghost says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, beholding both for good and evil. Will the flesh steal your crown? We've got to hurry. I want us to go to 1 Samuel. Going over. We're going to go on over. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Now, You'll notice in verse number, verse number two. That's three, three, four in the right kind of Bible, page three, three, four. God said, hey, Saul. He tells Samuel this now. He said, Samuel, I want you to go down there and tell Saul to go down. He said, I've remembered what Amalek did to the children of Israel. And he said in verse number two, I want, I want him to go down there and lay wait for, I will just go down in verse three and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, slay both man and woman, infant and suckling child. God said you kill the little babies, you kill everybody. That's an Amalek. You don't think God wasn't mad with them Amaleks? A holy God said, you kill the babies that suck the breast. That's what the book says. Because God said, I remember what Amalek did to Israel when they come out of Egypt. I heard a, man, I heard a colored preacher preach one time. He said, God is a man of war and you can't whip him. Now see, this is the type of the flesh. Here's what God says we need to do with the flesh. Kill it. Amen. Crucify it. Reckon it dead. But notice now, Saul said, okay. Samuel delivers the message. Saul said, okay. All right, Samuel, man of God, everything. And we'll go do her. They went down there. But you know what Saul did, don't you? He spared Agag, the king of the Amalekites. He spared the best sheep. He spared the best oxen. He comes marching back from the war. God said, Samuel, God said, Samuel, Saul's been disobedient to me. And you go tell him I'm rending the kingdom out of his hand. Boy, Samuel goes over there. No, Saul's coming down the road now. And Samuel said, hey, how'd the battle go? He said, we mopped her up, buddy. We did just like the Lord said. And Samuel said, you did, huh? He said, I hear a strange noise. What is this lowing of the oxen and the blating of the sheep? Saul said, the people, the people. The people. You read your Bible. Saul tried to blame it on the other people. Isn't that the way we are? We'll blame it on our wives. We'll blame it on our husbands. We'll blame it on our children. We'll blame it on somebody else. We'll justify. We'll, we'll get out of it somehow. You know what the Bible said in verse number 22? Samuel said, Hath the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken to the fat, than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Saul committed the sin of witchcraft. And you know what, you know what God said it was? Rebellion. Do you hear me? Rebellion to pastoral authority. Rebellion to mother and dad. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Notice in verse number 32. Then said Samuel, bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. 
And Agag came unto him delicately. You talked about tiptoeing in. Now he's done seen Samuel's upset and, and Saul's in big trouble. And oh, Agag comes to tiptoeing in. And he, notice what it says there. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. Surely they can't let me live. And Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel, now you get this now, and Samuel, the man of God, hewed Agag in him, I am an Amalekite. The very thing that Saul spared. Watch it now, look at verse 9. And he said unto me again, Stand, this is Saul, I pray thee upon me and slay me, for anguish has come upon me, because my life is yet holding me. The Amalekite said, So I stood upon him and slew him, because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen. And I took the crown that was upon his head and the bracelet that was upon his arm, and I brought them hither unto my Lord. The very thing that Saul spared, was the very thing that came back to home. You see the picture? Now I believe the Amalekite's lying. You hear what I'm saying? I believe he's lying in the reality of Scripture. I believe that Amalekite boy's lying. He saw, he found Saul dead, and he's told a lie, and the Scriptures recorded it just like he told it. But you read your Bible, you'll find Saul died. But that boy thought, now here's my chance to get in favor with David. I'll tell David I killed Saul. And, I, I, and, and he takes the credit for it. But you know what? You know, in those verses, verse number 14, and David said unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thy hand to destroy the Lord's anointing? And David called for one of the young men and said, Go near and fall on him. And he smote him and he died. David knew that boy was lying. David knew he was trying to gain favor. But what I'm trying to get you to see is the picture here. The very thing that Saul spared. It took the crown off his head. It took the bracelet off his arm. His power and his authority was stolen from him by an Amalekite. You go right on. You let me go right on. Pamper some part of my flesh. Despair some part of my flesh. Say, God, I'll, I'll handle it. God, I, I'll take care of it. And the very thing we spare. Paul said, In my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. What are we to do, preacher? Paul said, Have no confidence in the flesh. Then Paul said, in Romans 13, verse number 14, he said, Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill it in the lust thereof. Do you know what we're guilty of? You know what I'm guilty of? I'll make provision for my flesh. And my flesh is so wicked if I give it one inch, it'll take a mile. A lot better men and women than me and you fallen. You know what happens? They spare flesh. Will the flesh steal your claim? This is the most fleshly age I've seen 13 years of preaching. You know what? If this could ever seek into our minds, we're 19, 100 years, almost 20, 100 years span down the pike, way down the road. We're not getting closer to God. We're getting further and further and further and further away from God. You know how we got here? We made provision for the flesh. 
I want to finish this race. I don't even know. I doubt very seriously. I mean this. I doubt very seriously. I'll even hear well done. I hear people sing them songs, you know, and they just carry on. I'm going to walk all over heaven with my robe and my crown. Hey, I doubt I'll even hear him say, well done. But I'd like to finish the race. But I know if I spare my flesh, any part of it. You remember that list now, don't you? You remember that list? Just make no provision for the flesh. Just starve it to death. Just starve it, buddy. Cut off all the avenues. Shut every door. Pull down the window shades. Oh, Brother Lester Roloff, if there's one man that I've, I, I've ever met that I feel like, really, I mean, I mean, that I, I, I just somehow I admire that man. When they called me, my wife called me in 72 and told me, excuse me, 82 and told me that Lester Roloff was dead. I was in Winchester, Virginia, in a little old bitty, little old bitty motel room, and when she called me, I hung the phone up and sat down and cried and said, God, we're sunk. I thought, Lord, how are we going to make it? One of the greatest preacher I've ever known, you know, has gone to be the Lord. Have a cold maker. See you know what he said he'd do? He said he'd take him a good warm shower. He said the old flesh was really enjoying that. But then you turn it wide open cold. You make yourself stay in there. Stay in your suffering again. Well, I'm Could be your temper. Could be your attitude. I don't, I don't want the flesh to, to dominate my life. You know, Paul said, he said, that, and ain't nobody here greater than Paul. Yeah. Paul said, that that I would do, I don't do, and that that I ought not do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Paul said, I'm a wretched man. Ain't it? Ain't amazing. We think we're pretty good. Unless somebody pat us on the back, you know what we do? We don't do it outwardly. We'll throw back our shoulders, push out our spiritual suspenders and say, they're right. I am pretty good. Oh, wretched man. That we really are. Paul said, I'll just have to reckon this thing dead every day. He said, I died daily. Just a good little fireside chat tonight again on the flesh. I can remember it. Fickle. The flesh is very fickle. Yeah. Ease. It's easily led astray. Death. It's very sensual. Flesh. The old Adamic man is sensual. Lustful, ill, that left lustful, lust, lust, lust. And that last letter H, it's hard to control. Father, Lord, you, you told us in the word that you know our frame. Lord, you remember we're but dust, and I'm so glad you do, Lord. I'm so glad you do remember. I was reminded this afternoon, Lord, if you should mark iniquity, maybe nobody could be able to stand. Lord, please help us. Please help us when you enlighten us. You illuminate us, Lord, to some area in our life that we see as fleshly area. God, help us. Help us to reckon it dead and, and, and let you work in that area. Oh, God, I, my old flesh is so wicked, so wretched and vile, but I'm so glad you said greater is he that's within you. I thank you, Lord, that 
We can walk in the Spirit. I'm glad, Lord, we can have victory over this flesh. Help us to appropriate it. Dear God, help us not to make provision for the flesh. Help me, Lord. Help me. Lord, maybe this message was for me tonight. I, I, I know you spoke to me. Maybe it was just for me tonight, Lord, that you showed me this again. Lord, I don't want to be a fleshly man. I'd sure love to be a spiritual man. Oh, God, I pray you'd help me. I'd like to be a Holy Ghost preacher, Lord. And Lord, you told me that we could walk in the Spirit. You said if we walk in the Spirit, we wouldn't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Dear God, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us not despair. Help us just to reckon it dead to take the sword. Let the sword cut. Work, Lord, that work of death in our own flesh. Help us, man. Bless them these next two nights. Lord, these people have been so good. Lord, they've just come every night and been faithful to come, and I thank you. I bless you for it. Help them tomorrow. Strengthen them on their job. May these truths, Lord, work in our lives in days to come. Help us, Lord. Maybe we've been demonstrating flesh here lately, fleshly attitudes. Maybe we've just let the flesh override, raise up. God, help us just to continually, steadfastly, consistently reckon it dead. We thank you, Lord, for the victory that we can have in Christ. I want to bless you, Lord. I want to bless you with all of my heart that one day I'll get to lay this flesh down. And Sister Fanny Crosby sang, Lord, and rise to seize the everlasting prize. And shout while passing through the air. Farewell, farewell. Sweet, I pray. Help us now, Lord. Jesus, let me pray. Amen. I don't believe we'll even give an invitation. Let's believe we'll go home. Take it home with us. You know what? I'm glad you don't know me like I know. I really am. If you knew me like I knew me, you wouldn't be here tonight to listen to me preach. But you know what? If I knew you like you know you, I might not want you to listen to me preach. We just all need help. We just all need help. We're in this thing together. God help us to bear one another's burdens. Pray for one another. I saw over there today in Hebrews chapter number 10 the writer said provoking one another to love and to good works. I pray y'all to provoke me to be to love and provoke me to good works. God help us. I tell you I've so demonstrated the flesh in days gone by. And I'll probably make some more boo-boos before this thing's over with. I'm, gonna, I'm glad Brother Ed Blue told that that night. Because I was just a young preacher. And I thought them men sit so high, and I esteem them high. I esteem them high. That's what the Bible says. But I'm glad he related to me that he was just, just made out of the same mud I was. Have to get up every morning, jump the graveyard, say, God, help me to reckon myself dead. Before I get to work, I've got to do it again. Before I, before I get through the day, I've got to do it three or four times. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad one day, church? Well, I tell you, it'd be heaven to me. It'd be heaven to me just to get to work flesh. Well, I'll never be bothered with this old flesh no more. Well, Pastor, do, do we need to do anything? 7.30 tomorrow night? You know what? If we all brought somebody with us, we'd have to sit out chairs. Everybody brought one person with you. Man, we've got two more nights. It's about over. You've about endured the end. You've about made it. Such shall be saved. You've about made it to the end. There's hope for you. But you've been a good audience tonight. I appreciate it. You pray for me.
pray for me that the next two nights I'll really just have a special touch. Or it'd be good if God could. I'm not could, but if God would, I'd see fit. Carry some out. This is a ball game. That's just, you know, good shit. Be an eyeball. Get around here. Be grateful. Thank you for coming. Thank you.